Welcome to And The Nominee Is, an Oklahoma podcast with a twist. Hi, I'm Julie Clemens, and I'm your host. So here's how it works. Each guest has been nominated by a previous guest. All of the guests have a connection to Oklahoma, whether they've just visited here, they work here, or they live here. This keeps the podcast fresh, fun, and right here in Oklahoma. Now you know. With me today is Lisa Reagan. Lisa is a well-known artist in the Tulsa, Oklahoma community. I would say nationwide as well, but especially right here. So if you've been in Tulsa, you have seen a lot of her artwork. If you know the name Garden Diva, well, then you know Lisa Reagan. So Lisa, welcome to the program today. Thank you so much, Julie. I'm happy to be here chatting with you. Yes. And so you're outside right now chatting. Yes, I'm out in the garden trying to get away from the noise of the shop. I've got a bunch of people here working on my project today. All right. Well, we'll get to that project here in just a minute, but let's let's go back to the beginning. Um, so I read who inspired you is your grandfather. Tell me about that story. So I grew up at the feet of my grandfather. He had a machine shop on 15th Street in Tulsa. He fabricated um, little metal strips for the printing industry. And so in that sense, I was inspired by the always being around machine shops and uh, large equipment. It, you know, never like set me off. It was always just, you know, part of reality. So I was never afraid of getting into the shop and starting to make things. Ah, and so um, because that's pretty unusual for a woman, maybe maybe not now, I guess, but back in the day, a woman to actually be cutting metal and, and that sort of thing. So did you start doing that just out of your garage or how did that start? So I, my mother, my grandfather passed away and he left the business to my mom and she continued with it and had a whole fabricating studio in her uh, manufacturing plant, you know, mills, lathes, welding equipment. And one of the guys that worked there would show me how to do stuff. And I just got really interested in the plasma torch. I had gone to visit a friend in California uh, who showed me this cool artwork by a woman. um, And I was just completely blown away. And so I came back, I found one of those pieces of equipment and started practicing. And it became a little bit of an obsession. I just Every night I wanted to do it more and until literally it developed into a business. So, you know, it was all derived from that. um, I wasn't afraid of equipment. And then when I learned about this incredible torch that you can cut pierce through steel like you're cutting, you know, butter with a knife. Um, I got really excited about it. So was it heavy in the beginning? I mean, was it something you really had to? Did you have to take exercise classes, what I'm getting to, to strengthen your core to hold that (laughs) Yeah, well, I was young and strong. <laughs> That's one of the, yes, I was very young and did a lot. I mean, I just, I, br- I broke a lot of fingernails and, um, you know, got a lot of bruises and cuts. But yeah, it's definitely heavy and difficult. And, uh, it, you know, it encouraged me to hire people. I got employees because I really didn't want to do it by myself. I didn't want to pick up metal and haul it across the, you know, the floor to place on a piece of equipment. So I, anyway, that's, you know, just really, yeah, need, I needed a crew, which is how Garden Diva was formed. Okay, well, that's what I was going to ask. What inspired you? Um, because I think your little characters are known. That That's the Garden Diva, the little, the little boy and the little girl with the little hair. How did, how did that come about? Well, I was just, I was really interested when I first learned how to use the equipment. Um, I didn't really consider myself an artist necessarily. I mean, I had been doing some ceramic and 
I've certainly been working in a bunch of different mediums, but I didn't really think of myself as an artist. I wasn't painting or drawing. And what inspired me was my kids. And so the work itself is very whimsical and very childlike. Uh, I had, when I started, three young children. And so, like, the movements they would make and the funny things they would do and the cartoons we would watch kind of all derived these characters. Um, Deva is actually a Sanskrit word, and it means a happy spirit. So that's why I named my company that, because when I the first ones I made, when I was working in the garden, it's just something I learned from um, this community in, um, I'm sorry, Scotland. I'm trying to think what their name is, though. I've drawn a blank, but they were growing food where food shouldn't be grown up in Scotland in the 70s. It's kind of a little bit of a community of hippies. And they created this place that's now this major, you know, growing facility and teaching facility by speaking to the spirits of the garden. And those spirits are called devas. And so they would communicate with the things that the energy of the land and the food would grow. Uh, that had never grown before in this place. And so when I heard about that story, I was like, oh, these little sculptures will make your flowers look more beautiful. They'll help your stuff grow. And so that's kind of where the concept of that came from. I think the very first tags I said was that we guaranteed they would help make your tomatoes taste better, something like that. (laughs) And truthfully, I didn't know that when I did that little marketing ploy, but truthfully, when you put iron (coughs) in the soil, it does actually help those plants grow. So I kind of was doing that. <laughs> and you know, I have been pronouncing that incorrectly this whole time. I mean, like for years, I've been saying diva. Yeah, the word is actually deva. Everybody always does, but a diva is spelt with an I normally. And deva, deva is a Sanskrit word, which doesn't mean like the one who proclaims themselves. It's, it's, you know, it's really a deva is like a little spirit, a little energy. Okay, and I should know that. Oh, I love it. Well, I can say that, you know, I haven't actually put it in my garden, but it it makes love grow in my house. So there we go. (laughs) Makes you smile. Yeah. (laughs) It does make me smile. I just love it. So let's go back just a second. So you were young. You started this company. You had three kids. How did you do that? Um, You know, I look back on it now and I'm not sure. You know, my kids were super resilient, um, and I just just recently turned 60, and my son sent me a birthday note. It was so sweet. He was like, thanks for being a great mom and for raising kids that are authentic and true themselves, and that is for sure what they learned from me because we were just like, I would just be like, okay, everybody cram into the car, and then, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how I did it. I mean, honestly, I, I was successful right away, so financially, I was able to support my kids. I also did not have a husband. So it was like, a, you know, I'm a single mom, um, and I did not have a husband that paid child support. So I was really doing it on my own. And that was my biggest drive, was I had a family to feed. Oh, man. So as you started the company then, was that on your own, or were you working with your mom, or you took over the company? How did that happen? Yeah, I, I took over her business. Uh, well, I, actually, I didn't take over her business. She took over her dad's business, and I worked for her. And it was not a job I enjoyed. And so I started making these sculptures in the evening and taking them to like home and garden shows and, you know, places that people, that gardeners bought stuff. And after a few of those sales, um, I realized that I had a business. It was like, oh, people love this stuff. 
And uh, so I started quickly kind of building, you know, borrowing equipment, building up inventory. And um, yeah, I just started, you know, um, thinking of it as something I could make a living doing and moving in that direction a little by little. I kept my job until I uh, had some really good sales and I had some really good fortune. A woman that worked for Better Homes and Gardens lived here in Tulsa and she did an article on me and they carried my work. So I almost immediately started having you know, large wholesale sales. Oh, wonderful. And I, you know, you were always in uh, the Mayfest and, you know, all of those major, which I could, I, I would imagine that was huge for you. Sure. Yeah. Part of my business strategy was to do like a third wholesale, a third art festivals and a third direct retail. So that if any certain thing didn't have success, something else could pull from it. You know, that was kind of, I tried to keep a lot of things open. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of people don't want to work that hard, but I just, you know, it was, it was also everything I did besides raising my kids, you know, and they were part of being raised that way. They came to work and helped mom too. traveled in the summers doing shows. Well, as they got older, they were part of the family business, right? I think I remember going in. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They all, they all worked for me at some time. <laughs> and that's, that is, that is wonderful that they do that. And, uh, you know, speaking of jobs and workplaces, it seems like, can you even think off the top of your head, like how many businesses that your artwork is being shown. Like, I mean, even over here at Kings Point, I see it in the parking lot, in front of libraries, I see it. I'm in front of schools, you know, it's amazing. Yeah, I've never actually thought about the number of pieces. I do know I worked really hard for like 25 years. So I think it's, uh, it is reflected all over town. Right, working hard for 25 years, that includes not only creating all these beautiful pieces that you have, but, um, but workshops, right? You'd, you'd even have little open houses or I, I'm not sure that's what you called them, but in your studio. Oh yeah. Well, we, well, we did have workshops too. I did a, I started teaching people how to do metal work and we were, you know, continued for, for 10 years, had classes in and out of there, you know, on a monthly basis. But I also, um, held, I think for 20 years, um, the Garden Diva Open Studio, and we would have up to like 25 local artists and 30 or 40 musicians. Music was playing all day long for two solid days, and you know it was just a great little uh, community event. Mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah, so wonderful for other local artists who are just trying to get started in the business, or or some had already been in the business, and it was wonderful to be able to to show their stuff. And um, so, I wanted to go back just a little bit. I know we've talked about this. Um, before when we run into each other, but let's see, your business started in 1996. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And then in 1999, do you remember a little show called Expressions? Of course. I came walking in the door and, <laughs> and I pulled up a picture of that the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, how old were we? We were babies in our thirties. <laughs> Oh, and I just, I remember being in awe of you then because I was like, oh my gosh, she's actually putting on the full gear, sparks are flying everywhere, and she's smiling as she's doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So, so tell me, you said 25 years well ago then, and you've decided... I'm done. I'm exhausted. I love it, but I'm done. You know, honestly, um, 
Kind of. In 2016, like, I was literally on my hands and knees going, God, show me what to do. This is just so much work. And really what had happened was all of the employees that I'd had from the very beginning had gotten older and they were retiring. And so I was bringing on these new millennials and it was just like a totally different work ethic they had. And um, it really burnt me out. It was exhausting. I was just used to people, you know, like baby boomers that like worked hard like I did. You know, we were and then I got this whole new group of people that weren't invested in it and didn't believe that work should be that way. So I was like, I don't I I had to do a lot of stuff myself and do a lot of stuff over. And at that point, I was just like, this is too much for somebody getting close to 60. And I approached a couple of people about selling the business because I thought maybe I could sell it because a lot of things were on CNC and, you know, could just be picked up and keep the same phone number. And this lady was like, yeah, we can't sell your business. And like a week later, yeah, a week later, I got a phone call from somebody that my secretary had had lunch with that she'd gone to college with. And she said, oh, I'm looking to buy a business in Tulsa, something in the arts. Or, and she's like, uh, I think my boss would sell you hers. And literally, that's how fast it happened. They came to see me. They liked it. I, you know, I gave them an inventory and it was, it was sold within a few months. And then they kept me on for a number of years. I don't remember how many years. And I, you know, did all their designing and, and now they've slowly taken it over and they've hired other artists and they're doing their own thing. And so, you know, they're successful in their own way. Uh, but yeah, it was an awesome, like, I think it was divine intervention. Oh, absolutely. What happened then? When I sold my business, I was able to take six months off just to unravel my nervous system. And um, I went to Costa Rica. Nice. And um, yeah, and then um, I started painting and um, I did some, you know, some kind of deep dives into my own spiritual stuff and worked with some shamanic people and really just reset my system. It was really nice. And um, then I just came back out of that as a painter and super uh, the same as if I'd gone into my metal work, just super obsessed with it and wanting to just, you know, it's like my whole, my everything. Well, I do think that, um, you know, you were talking about divine intervention and that sort of thing. And it's, it's something that when you're ready to let go and move forward, then I I do believe the universe says, okay, well, here we go. You're serious about it now, right? So I, I saw all your Facebook pages and stuff. So were you in Mexico? Two years ago, I bought a, a little piece of property in this remote town on the Caribbean Sea. I had gone there to paint. Part of my painting process is going places. I spent some time in India in an ashram painting and different, I spent some time in Tucson, Arizona painting. And I was like, that's what I want to do is I want to go to a space. I want to have the energy of that space. I I came back from my trip after being painting there for three months. Actually, everything I also painted sold immediately. It was just like so inspirational there. And um, so it was a super successful trip. That's what I do is I take a bunch of canvas, I paint, 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 come back, give it to my art guy. And he sold every single one of them. I was like, wow, there's some good juice there. And, um, it's a it, it's a kind of an up and coming town. It's been around, you know, for I don't know how long, you know, since the Mayans live there. But it's really not. So what's the name of it? It's called Mahawal, and it's about two hours south of Tulum. So Tulum is all blown up, and everybody knows Tulum. Nobody knows my town yet. They and, and I bought it as an investment. So thinking in ten years I would sell it and move on to someplace else. But um, anyway, so that's what I've been doing now. Is I've been painting there for 
six months and then coming back to Tulsa and painting here for six months or, or trying. I'm also planning some trips to India too to paint there. Oh my goodness. So you are living the life now. You worked hard to live this life, but I mean, you really are still working, but it's not work because it's joyful. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I worked really hard to set. It's like my past self set my future self up. I'm constantly thanking her. That's right. So if anyone wants um, a, a Lisa Reagan project, we can still get something. It's not necessarily a metal, metal sculpture, but it could be a painting. Absolutely. But I, I am doing metal sculpting too. Right now I'm doing a really large project. We received an honorarium from the Burning Man Festival. Really? Yeah, there's a woman in Mexico that I met, an artist, and she and I wrote a proposal to build um, a Quetzalcoatl. I'm saying it a little weirdly. It's a it's a pre-Hispanic ancient god from Mexico, and he is the god that created everything. And he's part bird, part snake, and uh, he brought corn to the people of Mexico in the in the mythological tradition. So we're building this. We, we, we wrote a grant, we got the grant, and now we're building. She's actually here from Mexico. Part of the work was done in a studio where she lives. There's stained glass and leather that will be a drum. This art sculpture will be playable. Um, and then we're building it. That's why the noise is in my studio. I've got a crew of people here putting it together because we're going to have a big event here in a few weeks. I should, I'll should i send you an invitation to it. Uh, it's like a mini Burning Man here at my studio. Oh, I would love that. Absolutely love it. We're going to have fire spinners and these sculptures that are going to Burning Man will all be lit up. It's called an unveiling. So how big is the sculpture going to be? It is 10 foot by 30 foot. Takes up my parking lot. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is another huge project you've done. What's next for Lisa Reagan? Well, I'm teaching a class in at the end of September in Taos. I'm teaching a metalworking workshop just in this beautiful setting for you know, a couple of days, three days. And then I'm going to take a few months um, just to enjoy Oklahoma fall and um, work around my property and work on my things here. And then I'll go back to Mexico sometime late November and I'll just keep that rhythm. And then I, I'm going to apply for a residency in India and see when I can come and do that for them. I've, I've got this project in mind where I want to teach young Indian girls metalworking and especially metal craft making so that they can pull themselves out of anything and be just like I did as a single mom with kids and I figured out a way to make a living out of this thing. And well, I love that because you're giving back, you know, you know, that's just absolutely wonderful. So Lisa, we have come to the um, end of our podcast and it's, it's the part of the podcast where I ask my guests if they have someone they would like to nominate for a future chat with me on this podcast. Do you have anyone in mind? You know, the first person that came to mind, and you may know her, is Anna Berry. Yes. She's so cool, and she has a really interesting, you know, she's left Oklahoma, and then she's come back, and she's a huge asset to, like, she's a big supporter of women in this community, and I love that about her. Yes, yes, absolutely. So Anna Berry is your nominee. It is. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to hearing Anna's story because she has she has quite the story. I know she and... My son know each other, and uh, one of your sons and my son know each other, so it's just a little family here. Oklahoma. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, Lisa Reagan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, thank you for your patience. Of course. Yes, absolutely. It was a blast. I love your voice. I love everything you do. Thank you for being you. Thank you, and back at you, my friend, and I look forward to seeing you soon. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of And the Nominee Is. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.